Good day to everyone. We want to welcome each and every one of you. We are so glad that you have tuned in with us today. Uh, we're glad that you made a decision uh, to be with here today, to be with us here today, and and to learn uh, and study with us. We appreciate each and every one of you uh, and the support that you give us, and uh, as as we do these things and as we bring a lesson to you each and every week. As I shared last week, we have began a new series looking at living a life of service, living a life connected to Christ. And if you're tuning in for the first time, I would highly encourage you to go check out last week's lesson, Serving with Humility in a Life of Humble Service, because that's directly going to translate into what we're going to study today. And so before we dive in today, we do have a very special treat in store for you today. A uh, very close friend of mine uh, is our guest with us, and I appreciate uh, this individual and, and his faithfulness. I appreciate his encouragement, uh, and his love for Jesus is contagious. And, and so we're super excited uh, that he is here with us live and in person, Mr. David Craig. David, how you doing? I am here, and I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Friday, take off and uh, taking off early, left the job. Tools are still sitting there, but we'll get them later. Awesome, awesome. David, if you don't mind, uh, for people who may not be familiar with you, uh, just give us a little bit of brief introduction about you. Tell us who you are, where you're from, so forth. Uh, my name is David, David Craig, and I'm from Benton, Kentucky. Um, I go to church there at Northside, where Johnny teaches a great Sunday school class, and Brett Miles, pastor, but... <clears throat> Uh, one thing about me is that, you know, I've had some things throughout my life and the testimony that uh, to live a life full of testimony, um, good and bad, um, I am able to run a lawn care business with the help of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, I do that every day. I do a little bit of uh, flipping houses as well, but mainly we do we run a lawn care business and within that we get to serve Murray Benton uh, we do a little bit of work in Paris so awesome do. awesome amen well we appreciate you being here with us David you know how much uh, you mean to me you know how much you mean to our church and um, so before we get started this morning David if you don't mind I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer um, and we'll just pray over this uh, lesson Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to have to come and, and worship you, come and praise you, come and learn about you. God, we pray for each and every uh, individual who is listening online uh, at whatever point this may be in, God. And uh, we just pray for them. We pray that they can uh, listen to your word, listen to um, what you have in store for them, God. I thank you for David and the friendship that we have, God. And I thank you for his willingness to, to serve. Um, and just be faithful to you and obedient to you. God, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, David, as we get started this morning and all of our listeners this morning um, or, or today, we're kind of setting a foundation, kind of setting a foundation of living a life connected to Christ. And, and it begins with loyalty. It begins with loyalty and, um, and a consistent loyalty. For that matter, and and so you know, I want us to think about who is maybe someone um, when you think of when you think of loyalty. If if you want to give us some names, David, that's fine. Maybe some occupations, but when you think of loyalty, uh, who do you think of? What do you think of when you think of loyalty? Uh, first and foremost, I think of my parents. I mean, they're sure. probably going to be the most loyal out of anyone I know uh, to me. Um, 
another thing that struck my mind on loyal is like that's how we want to run our business as well is we want to be loyal to our clients and i think you know have that testimony of that as well not only you know like my parents they're you know i can go to them for anything right um same with our company they can come to us talk to us so you know we also want when i when you you ask the what do i think about loyal that's the brand we want to be as right. a company is loyal to mm-hmm. our clients and help them serve and um, same with my parents like as soon as you said that it was immediately my parents yeah um, family <clears throat> yeah absolutely uh, you know I think whenever we think about loyalty uh, we think that you know they are completely devoted to whatever it is you know your parents are completely devoted to to being a parent to uh, uh, raising you as a child and and you think about dedication and uh, you know they're completely devoted to it completely sold out to it if you will uh, one of the most loyal people in uh, in my life um, was an old mentor of mine um, you've heard me speak about him before and he was completely sold out to the organization that he worked for the company the people what they were trying to accomplish what they were trying to achieve and I learned a lot from him and one of the biggest things I learned from him was setting goals um, uh, goal setting if you will making personal goals professional goals educational goals spiritual goals um, and he, he was big on making a goal reading that goal and placing that goal somewhere like on a post-it note or somewhere and placing that somewhere where you're gonna see that all the time and you're gonna read that and you're gonna be reminded of that um, but what's behind these goals you know, we, we, we set a goal and we have a desire to what? To achieve. To achieve it. To accomplish it. To, to, to win, um, if you will. To accomplish something. You know, it's really no different in our relationships with Christ. You know, we should each have a goal to, to, for, to glorify God. We should each have a goal. That should be our goal for God to be glorified. Uh, and... Um, we, when we think about that, when we think about that, that goal should supersede everything else. Whether, you know, if, you, if you're like me and you do make personal goals and professional goals and educational goals and spiritual goals, the number one goal on that list should be glorify God. That's what it should be. I don't care if it's educational goal or professional goal. The number one goal on your list should be to glorify God. And so the question is, how do we achieve that? You know, what's the desire behind that goal? And I believe we achieve that by living loyally to Christ, by living loyally connected to Him. Uh, because you're only going to achieve that goal if you're devoted to it. You're only going to achieve the goal if you're dedicated to it. So we're going to be in John chapter 13 again this morning, as we were last week, looking at a very intriguing, very fascinating uh, story. And we're looking at the events Uh, that occurred that were building up to Jesus's betrayal and so we're going to look at what it means to glorify God and and how that relates to living loyally and uh, we're actually looking at uh, again we're in the upper room um, and and looking at uh, uh, an encounter with Judas And, and you may be asking how in the world can we learn about glorifying God by studying Judas uh, and well, we're, we're going to walk through that. And so let's remember, if you turn your Bibles to John chapter 13, let's remember that we are in the last hour. We are in the final moments before the death of Jesus. Uh, and last week we looked at uh, how Jesus washed their feet. 
And in John chapter 13, verse 14, it says what? If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You know, he says, you know, I've set the pace, is what Jesus is saying. I've set the pace, now you follow. And so Jesus is modeling for us what a humble servant should look like. What a humble servant should look like. So let's kind of remember the atmosphere, if you will, that we talked about last week. Jesus that you know they were in the upper room and it was a very relaxing atmosphere. We've talked a little bit about that U-shaped table which, which was believed to be there and there were couches and places for, for men to recline and relax. And then all of a sudden Jesus got up and Jesus took his coat off and he rolled up his sleeves and put a towel around his waist. And, and he ended up washing their feet. The, 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 the atmosphere, the mood in that room changed and it changed quickly. And everyone in that room was humbled. Everyone was convicted for their guilt. They were caught guilty. They were humbled by Jesus' humility, if you will. And so it's dead silent in that room. Which brings us to today's scripture. We'll begin reading in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 21, and we'll go through verse 27. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say unto you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon, Peter, motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give the morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon, Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said unto him, What you are going to do, do quickly. So before we break this down a little bit, let's talk a bit. Uh, a little bit. Um, I want you to think about what are some things that uh, we can do that would be considering you know, disloyal to Jesus. What are things that we do that discredit our loyalty to Jesus? Choose ourselves before him. Mm -hmm. What we want, what we think we need. And that's, you know, shunning him. That's, you know, belittling him for not acknowledging who he really is. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, that kind of piggybacks into to what I'm going to say is uh, one thing that discredits our loyalty as well is, is not obeying when we know that we should. Right? Not obeying, not listening to him when we know that we should. Following the ways of the world when we're specifically told not to. That is such a, a, a big struggle that we deal with um, as Christians. And, and in my opinion, if we do that, if we do that, we are playing a very dangerous game. We would be living, if you will, a false presentation of the gospel. Our lives would be telling people, hey, I'm a Christian, but I still live like this. Hey, I'm a Christian, but I still do this. Right? You know, David, you and I have talked before. Uh, you can't walk with God and hold hands with the devil, can you? No. No, not at all. And uh, So let's think about this story so far. Uh, in verse 21, it says, after he said this. Okay, so after Jesus has taught about humble service, uh, it says he was troubled in spirit. Okay, he was at an unrest. 
uh, he knew what was about to happen. He knew what Judas was about to do. And so let's think about this question. How does it make us feel? How should it make us feel knowing that Jesus was troubled by Judas's betrayal? Jesus was troubled knowing that Judas was going to betray him. Because but before we talk about that, in the Greek translation, whenever it says troubled in spirit, that means deeply agitated. That means grieving. That means hurting. We're wrong if we think that Jesus was untroubled. He is hours away from the cross. And this disciple, whom he has taught for the last three years, whom he has loved, whom he has trusted, is about to act on this betrayal. So the fact that Jesus is troubled by this, the fact that Jesus is grieving by this and hurt by this, the fact that Jesus is, is agitated by the actions of someone he loves, how does that make us feel? What does that make us want to do as Christians? I think it wants to make us follow him more diligently. Follow him more faithfully. Just like Judas we betray Jesus with our sin and disloyalty to him. Our sins are what nailed him to the cross. We have a nail sitting right here in the center of the table where David and I are sitting. Our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. Yet he still chose to wash their feet. He still chose to wash Judas's feet. I want you to imagine the pain that Jesus was going through. He says, surely one of you is going to betray me this is kind of like an oh by the way moment he says look what i did i washed your feet i washed your feet and someone is still going to betray me someone in this room is still going to betray me just like last week we talked about the atmosphere is going to change the atmosphere is going to change someone in the room is going to betray him and they wondered who it was and in verse 23, it says, A disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, now we believe that to be John, the writer of the, the gospel account here. It says he was reclining next to him. Now, let's kind of revisit the setup of this upper room of what scholars believe this to be like. Uh, it's believed that there was a U-shaped table, kind of low to the ground. Um, and there were couches, places for men to recline and just hang out and, and relax along the side. Uh, so it was a very relaxing atmosphere. And of course, Simon Peter being Simon Peter, he just couldn't wait whenever Jesus said this. He had to know. He had to know who it was and he had to know now. So the story says he signaled, he motioned to John to ask Jesus. So Peter was probably nudging John saying, ask him, ask him, who is it? Who is it? And of course, Peter and John being part of Jesus' inner circle, they kind of elbowed him and said, who is it, Jesus? So they were obviously sitting right next to him on this night. And Jesus said, it's who I give this piece of bread to. Now that's interesting. If you go back to John chapter 13, verse 2, we read that this is during supper. Okay, This is happening during supper. So that tells me get-togethers like this, suppers like this, were common. It was, you know, and it was tradition. It was common that the host during a supper like this would dip a piece of bread in a bowl and pass it to a guest of special honor. Pass it to a guest of a, a special friendship. That was expected. That was tradition. That was common. So it was expected, it was kind of expected that at some point during this meal, Jesus would honor this special guest. What was unexpected is that this special guest would be the one to betray him. 
And in verse 26, then dipping the bread, he gave it to Judas. So Judas was also sitting somewhere very close to Jesus. And in verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, what happened? Satan entered into him. Satan entered him. John wants us to make no mistake of who it was who influenced the betrayal of Christ. You know, we give we give Judas a hard time, rightfully so, but he wasn't the only one capable of betraying Jesus that night. Simon Peter denied him three different times this very night. Matthew 26, 56. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. All the disciples left him and fled from him. Uh, David, no one said being a Christian would be easy, did they? No. Right? Uh, but it's worth it, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, so when we think about this this story, this narrative, and we're talking about betrayal here, what is it that makes betrayal so damaging to our relationships? Uh, a lot of times we don't have the heart of Jesus, which we have access to, you know, through Jesus. But, you know, with Jesus and his kind and love and heart, I mean, his love is all I have to say. You know, he consistently, after being persecuted, knowing he was being persecuted. How about that? You tried that in your own life. Like, knowing that you're not going to get your way. Knowing that, you know, what you're about to do for this person, they're going to ridicule you. Mm-hmm. But you're going to humble yourself and get down and wash their feet. To me, that just shows who God is and helps me visualize, you know, if we're to be like Christ, we should be doing the same thing to the people that hurt us. The same thing, you know, but we can only do that if we go and search after him and find him and uh, align our lives with, you know, what he's put before us here and shown us. Right. I completely agree. You know, you can't... You can't be betrayed. We've talked about it before. You can't be betrayed by someone whom you don't trust. There's got to be some degree. There's got to be some level uh, of trust. Uh, and but so so when that bond of trust has been broken, when that bond of trust has been has been torn apart, we 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 tend to seclude ourselves. We tend to pull away from from people. At least that's how I respond. And, and people may respond to betrayal differently right but we're hurt we're broken uh and we just kind of want to seclude ourselves we and, and we want to pull ourselves away from other relationships in our lives because that that trust has been broken and, and that security has been broken right that's how we respond but just like you said david jesus doesn't respond that way despite being betrayed Despite being troubled and grieving and hurting 2,000 years ago, despite the fact that we betray him when we're disloyal, when we betray him when we sin, Jesus still went to the cross for them 2,000 years ago, and he still went to the cross for us 2,000 years ago. So, so Jesus died for the disloyal. That's you and me. That's all of the listeners, the disloyal. I would call that exactly what you said. You called that love. That shows God's love. Although we're disloyal and we don't hold up on our end, Jesus showed his loyalty to us on our behalf. Therefore, if he goes to the cross, I would say he's deserving of praise. I would say he's deserving of worship and glory. So so let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, what are some ways that, that we glorify God in our lives? 
for me isn't the biggest thing you know I'm involved with business and you know how do I glorify God with my work and my day-to-day work consistently and I think it's about the day uh, the daily um, so how do I glorify God by just giving a hundred percent and always acknowledging him how do I in anything I do and I think when I do that I know that if I have him there and I'm that's how I try to glorify God is keeping him first and constantly in every decision when it gets rough you know even in my work ethic and and what we do out there how I manage how I help the guys how you know kind I am to the client or in that's the life scenarios yeah but for me that's how I try to and then even when I serve you know that's what that's how we glorify him as well you know and everything we do we do all to the glory of God and that's I think that's Corinthians there, but um, for sure, that's how I do it in my day to day. But praising and worshiping, you know, yeah. if I have a chance to do that, you know, we love both love to worship, and that's a way that I show God how I glorify Him, and He is worthy of that. And so, you know, those are different real life scenarios that, in my day, what what I try to do, how I try to glorify Him. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you talked about really how we live. Uh, you know, how you go about your day, how you work, how you raise your family, how you raise your children, uh, how you treat your spouse or, or those in relationships with you. You glorify God in those ways. At least we should be glorifying God. Uh, we, we glorify God by worshiping Him and praising Him, right? Cranking that radio up uh, and singing aloud when no one else can hear us. Uh, that That's always a good... A good time, but let's let's think about this. Um, God is glorified as well when we're obedient, right? Yeah. When we're obedient, and so so to believe in God, to believe in God is to trust in His word, and to trust in His word is to obey it and follow it. Okay, so glorifying God really means acknowledging His greatness, acknowledging His power and His sovereignty, giving Him honor, giving Him praise and worshiping him why do we do this well the bible says we do this primarily because he does he's deserving of it he's simply deserving of honor and praise and worship let's take a look at first chronicles chapter 16 if you want to turn over there we're going to look at uh this is part of david's song of thankfulness and in first chronicles chapter 16 we'll begin in verse 28 and go through 29 ascribe to the lord O families of the peoples Ascribe, is this where we're at? Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. You know, ascribe uh, means to give credit to. It's assigned to. So, so what that what that tells us is we give glory because it's due to Him. We give glory because it's due to Him. Isaiah forty two eight confirms this. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And so we give glory because it's due him. He's deserving of it. He's worthy of it. Secondly, if you go back to 1 Chronicles 16, the second thing we're told to do is to bring an offering. Now this offering it talks about is complete devotion to God. The greatest commandment, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. And he said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Right? It's complete submissiveness to Him. Complete devotion to Him. It first begins with agreeing with what He says and listening to what He says. And then we apply that by obeying Him and submitting to Him. Psalms 103, 17 and 18. But the steadfast love of the Lord... Steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His commandment and remember to do His commandment. I like to read that one backwards. In verse 18 it says, To those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting on those who fear Him. So it's all about giving glory. It's about being and living in complete agreement with Him. Living in complete devotion to Him. Submissiveness to God. And look at... And I think that's... You know, we talked about love earlier in that demonstration of loyalty was just genuine love of Jesus. And I think you read it backwards to those who keep His obedience, keep His covenant in, lo- in line with that. And it says right there, if you go back to steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. So that love that we talked about to be loyal... Um, you know, how can you be loyal to your workers or your co-workers or, you know, that's how. Keep his word. Keep his covenant. Obey the Lord. So you say, I can't, I can't just be loyal. I can't love them like that. No, you can't. But you can when you're in line and obedience with his word. So it comes back down to where you started in obedience. When you get that obedience and you're willing to submit then that love he promises not you not your love the love that you need to get you to be loyal to get you to be loyal no matter what happens is coming from him it's not you so i think that's a perfect example with those two in that verse we read it backwards but it just plainly goes back to where you started in obedience i mean you want to know how to be loyal in the in places you don't know how you can be or when you get hurt, or when, you know, that's how. That's how you be loyal, is get in, obey God's word, and that love from Jesus comes to surround you with that. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think what we've proven with those couple of verses is that we glorify God by complete devotion to Him, complete obedience and agreement to Him. And Jesus, look at what Jesus says about this, John fourteen fifteen. It's what you were just talking about, David. If you love me... You will keep my commandments. So yeah. Yeah. So so Jesus reiterates this idea that that glorifying God and loving God are one and the same. There it's one and the same. Right? So this is really the second time today that love has came up. So let's keep going. In John thirteen, if you go back to John thirteen, we know we're in the final hours. Okay? Soon to be the darkest hours these disciples have ever known. And so what we're about to read and understand, beginning in verse 31, is that no amount of sin, there's no amount of sinful disruption, there's no amount of human failure or disloyalty that can hide the glory of God. So let's begin in John 13, 31, and we'll go through 33. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet I little yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just 
as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So it almost seems like when you think about the story and the narrative, uh, it almost seems like J Jesus was waiting for Judas to leave. So he could get down to some other issues, to get down to some other business with the other 11 disciples. And so it says in verse 31, when he had gone out, when Judas was gone, Jesus needed to prepare them for what's to come. He says, now, the Son of Man, okay, Jesus, right, fully human, fully God, is glorified, and God is glorified in him. So we've talked a little bit about glory, right? Well, you know, glory means to honor, to worship him, to, to, to praise him, and we do that by how we live. So we talked about that, but something is happening in verse 31 that will honor Jesus and God, that will uplift Jesus and God. Let's go back to John chapter 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So the purpose for which Jesus was born, why Jesus, why Jesus came to this earth is here. It's now. The hour has come. And what is that purpose? We know Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus' purpose was to come and be a sacrificial death. I want you to think about this idea that a perfect, holy, sinless, blameless God would come to an imperfect, sinful, twisted, corrupted, fallen world, die an unjust death, and use that sacrifice to reconcile us to God. Use that sacrifice to pay the price for our sins. That, you know, that is incomprehensible for us to understand why someone would do that. That is a form of mercy, if you will, that, that would be considered outrageous. You know, how do, how undeserving we are of that because we're disloyal, because we betray him, because we sin. How undeserving we are of that, yet he still did it. Mm. If that doesn't prove the love that this man named Jesus had for you, hmm. you know, I don't know what does. If you look at verse 32, uh, we get this uh, difficult concept of glorification. And I'm not going to pretend that I know it all because I don't know it all. But here's what I do know. Verse 32, Jesus is speaking in the third person. And he's saying, God is honored and God is praised and God is given glory simply because of who Jesus is. So so let's think about this. We're, we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Jesus spent three years teaching training these disciples. He shared his life with them, mm -hmm. right? He cared for them. He loved them, but he knew he would be leaving them soon. He says, I've only got a little bit longer. He's actually alluded to this before in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 33. Jesus said then, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. He says, I'll be with you a little longer. Then what? I'm going to him who sent me. Going home. Going home, right? There, there's not much time left. Okay, we understand that. We, we get that. But if you go back to John 13, what's difficult to understand in verse 33 is where he says, you're going to look for me, but where I'm going, you cannot come. That can be a little difficult to understand. What's that mean? And this is very interesting, and it is very important to the gospel message. 
first of all, let's understand that Jesus says this, this concept, three different instances in the Gospel of John. We have this in John 7, John 8, and John chapter 13, what we just read. And in John 7, let's take a look at John 7. David just read it. Jesus then said, I'll be with you a little longer, then I'm going to him who sent me. Verse 34, you're going to seek me, but you won't find me. You can't come where I'm going, is what he's saying. John 8, 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So both chapter 7 and chapter 8, if you go take a look at it, Jesus is actually talking to the Pharisees and the chief priests. And he tells them, here's what, you know, here's what he's saying. Let me summarize for you. Your time to accept me is coming to an end. I've only got a little bit longer than I'm going home. Your time to accept me is coming to, to an end. I'm, I'm here only a little bit longer. Look at what he says in John 8, 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am he. Unless you believe that I'm the son of God, which I've been trying to tell you since the beginning. Is what Jesus is saying. Unless you believe, you will die in your sins. So in John 7 and John 8, whenever he says this, he's, whenever he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. I get that now. That's easy to understand. He's telling them, because of your lack of faith, because you reject me, you will die in your sins. You will pay the price for your sins. If you don't get anything else today, unbelievers will not be able to go where he is going. He says, you're not going to come. You rejected that I'm the Son of Man. You reject that I came to be the, the sacrifice for your sins. And if you don't believe that, then you pay the price for your sins. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin, the price for sin, the payment for sin is what? Death. Death. Someone, somewhere has to die because of sin. And if you reject this man named Jesus, then you pay the price. Unbelievers will not be able to go where Jesus is going. However, in John 13, we have a different audience. We have a, we have a group of believers here who love Jesus and follow Jesus. We have his disciples who he's talking to. He says, you will seek me. You just ain't going to be able to follow where I'm going. It's not that you're going to fail. It has nothing to do with your unbelief. But Jesus is simply referring to his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension that's going to begin here in a few short hours. He's been teaching these disciples for three years about the death and the resurrection. And so all that Jesus is alluding to here, to here, it's, it's nothing to do with unbelief. It's nothing to do with a lack of faith. But it's simply Jesus saying, I've got to go do this. I've got to go to the cross for you. Take a look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Jesus did what he did out of love for us. He went to the cross out of love for us. And he went to the cross for God's greater glory. What, do you, what does that mean? What does it mean whenever I say he went to the cross for God's greater glory? John Piper says, The glory of God is in the inglorious Christ. Let me say that again. The glory of God is in the inglorious Christ. Let's be reminded of Isaiah chapter 53, 
verse 2 through 9. For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root of dry ground, and he had no form of majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, and men of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God. What am I reading to? Nine? We'll go to nine. And afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Yep. He was, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth by the oppression of judgment. He was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living stricken from the transgression of people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of God to crush him. The glory of God is shown in the inglorious Christ. Tell me what was glorious about that. There is nothing glorious about what Jesus went through. Philippians 2.8 says Jesus went, he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Death on a cross, on a, on a cross, the most inglorious experience a human could have. And so when we look at the cross, we see personal benefit. We see Christ dying for us. We see you know, Christ blessing us with the gift of salvation and we see eternal life. But there's another purpose here. Isaiah 43.7 reminds us that we're created for God's glory. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. And if we're created for God's glory, that means we're created to worship Him, to praise Him, to honor Him. And Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 23, But the hour has come and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father and the Spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is the Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 23 says the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is seeking worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. We need to understand today that as Christians, we will spend the entirety of our lives here and eternity worshiping God and glorifying Him. Our purpose for being redeemed by the blood of Christ is to worship God. We were created for a purpose, to know God and to make God known. We exist simply to please God through a relationship with Him, which can only be accomplished through the work of the cross. So God's glory is shown in the cross. God's glory is shown in the inglorious Christ. God's glory is displayed on what Christ did for you and I on the cross. And, and so when we follow Christ and we live for His glory, that's where we find fulfillment. That's where we find pleasure. That's where we find purpose. His glory should be our joy. 
And so we've talked a little bit about giving God glory and how we do that. And, and Jesus is going to tell us exactly how we do that and how that's directly related to our loyalty to God. So let's take a look at verse 34 and 35 in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, and if you have, if you have love for one another. So David, what do you think, we kind of alluded to it earlier, what's the connection here? What's the connection between loving others and being loyal to God? I think the connection uh, for me, like we talked about earlier, um, is love. Mm -hmm. And when we get with Jesus and understand who He is and we find that how to glorify Him, and I'm just going to go back here real quick because this hit me yeah. when you were talking, but the, to glorify, you asked me earlier, um, how do we glorify God? So we were asking the listeners or the Sunday school class, how do you glorify God? And, you know, Jesus, his son, went and glorified God through his death. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a plan for your life. And like you said, how do we glorify God? You know, when you get to that point in your life that you're glorifying God, that God has a purpose for you. Yeah. And to glorify Him, and how do you do get to that point? And it's through seeking, obeying, and and once you pro progress in that manner, you know what God has in store for you. Like for Jesus, His Son, you know He has a plan for Jonathan. He has a plan for the next person. So I went back to that glorifying because that was really in my mind there for sure. a second. But the the combination of tying the love and the the glorifying one another. Um, I think it, it all stems with Jesus. Like, yeah. You can't glorify God without obeying and obedience to loving and obeying His commandments. So there's no glorifying God. So you have. So if you ask yourself the question, am I glorifying God today? Well, how do you answer that? Well, have you read His Word? Yeah. Are you obeying His Word? And when you get to that point, then the love comes that you get, and then loyal comes with it. You, you become a loyal person. And you asked me at the beginning of this stage... You know, who do you think's loyal? I hope to God that I'm loyal. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the goal? Like, Absolutely. for you to say, you know, I don't care what anybody says about me, but for David, he was loyal. And not just to you, but to God. Right. And that's, a, that's how we glorify God, is to be loyal to Him. And how do you do that? Through the love that you find in Him. Yeah. Period. Exactly. You know, if we if we love as we're called to, it should be pointing back to Christ. It should be pointing back to God. You know, verse 34 and 35, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, I hope you do this. It is a command as a Christian. It is a charge as a Christian. It is a direct instruction. You, you can look at it this way. Jesus says, here's what I expect of you after I leave. You should take that personally. We should take that personally. You know, this is going to identify you as one of mine. Here is your new goal. I've shared with you before, uh, Jesus likes to take what we expect and go above and beyond them. He likes to exceed our expectations. The command, the, the command to love is not a new command. We're told this in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6.5, Leviticus 19.18. You're told to love. 
But Jesus' command to, to love one another is a new command in the sense that Jesus took it to a whole new level. He took it to a whole new standard. He took it to what we would call agape love. He shows that agape love, a self-giving, self-sacrificing, others-focused type of love. This new standard is to love as what? As I have loved you. Right? And so this is where it all comes together for us. We've talked about loyalty. We've talked about glorification. We've talked about love. For three years, Jesus is poured into these disciples. And in the next few hours, he's going to the cross for them. He went to the cross for you. He suffered and he died on your, for you on your behalf. He took your sins. He was completely forsaken by God the Father. That's how much he loves us. And that's the gold standard we're now called to live to. Agape love is a new indicator of, of loyalty to Christ. It's the mark of a Christian. It's the mark of a disciple. And, and here's the thing, David. If we can't show that love to one, to, to one another, how in the world are we going to get people to love Jesus? If we can't do it, if we can't show that to each other, how are we going to lead people to Christ? When we love as he loves, people take notice. So as we kind of wrap things up really quickly, uh, let's kind of revisit our goals. You know, you know, setting goals are, are, are very important, but but what's behind the goal? Right? A, a lot of goals we set were, were motivated by success and accomplishments, but we need to understand that there is a greater goal. And that goal is for God to be glorified in all that we do. What is hindering you today from putting God first? Take this time to evaluate yourself. Look at the inconsistencies in your life. Oftentimes, our devotion to God fluctuates with the circumstances that we're dealing with. So I want to encourage you to identify what it is that, that drives you away from God, that drives you away from a consistent connection to God. Because I believe when we remember and we, we are reminded of the ultimate loyalty of Jesus and what he did on our behalf, we should be driven into loyalty to him and devotion to him. You know, Judas's betrayal set in motion the events leading to Calvary. It set in motion the steps to the whip. It set in motion the, cro the, the, the crown of thorns being placed on his head. It set in motion the cross and the grave. I don't know, David, but I'm sure glad he didn't stay down, ain't you? Mm -hmm. He rose again. It set in motion the resurrection. It set in motion the eternal salvation that we can have through the blood of Christ. That if we just repent and believe, although we're disloyal, although we mess up, although we sin, the Bible says He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like it. That's good. Let's be reminded this week of John thirteen thirty four, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Charles Spurgeon says, In our Lord's love, we have the best motive for loyalty, the best reason for energy, and the best argument for perseverance. You see, the new standard is to love as Christ has loved us, but how do we do that? It begins with first identifying what your goals are. Behind every goal is a desire to succeed, achieve, or accomplish something but what if we shift that focus off of us? 
What if we place a focus on God and have a desire for him to be glorified? What if we lived our lives constantly seeking to glorify God in all that we do? What if we raised our families and led our spouses and our children with a desire to glorify God? What if we went to work on Monday morning with a desire to glorify God? What if we came to church on Sunday morning with a desire to glorify God? When we live loyally to Jesus, even during the difficult and trying times, God will be glorified. Be encouraged today. Jesus, although we are disloyal to him, and it was our sin that nailed him to the cross, he still died for you. Give him what is due to him. David, do you have any closing comments before we close in prayer? We appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in today. Certainly appreciate, David, you being here. Uh, hope to make this uh, hopefully a weekly thing, maybe. Uh, appreciate uh, your faithfulness. You know how much uh, I love you as a brother in Christ. David, would you mind closing us out in prayer? Yes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for another day. It's a Friday, Lord, and we got to have an opportunity to come here and to prepare this little devotion that Johnny has brought before us and to you know, to grow. You know, simply, you know, I know this grows Jonathan. I know this grows me. But to see who you really are. And God, I was humbled this week. I didn't. You know, Johnny sent me this, Lord. And I read a little bit of it. But all I had to read was how you just got down on your feet before you went and got crucified on your knees. Lord, I'm not worthy of what you've done but God I'm so thankful today and Lord if I can show someone a little bit of love that you that you have Lord that you've shown in, in countless countless situations that you've put on this earth for us uh, Lord I ask that we can and we can continue to love and to grow and and to be loyal to you God and in Jesus name Amen.